The world that we live in is filled with chaos. We are all searching for meaning in our lives, but we often get lost along the way. We all must ultimately realize that meaning is found in responsibility for our actions, for the way we live our life, and for the people in our lives. We don't have to stay in the chaos. We can choose to bring order to our lives. Join us for a fresh perspective on the practical steps we can take to become who God intended us to be and to realize what our calling is. This is Coming Out of Chaos. Welcome back to the Coming Out of Chaos podcast. I am your host, Michael Bocklick, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Bryce Kirk. We are coming to you from the Upper Room at St. Nicholas Church in Springdale, Arkansas, and we're so grateful to be here. It's hard for us to believe, but we're now seven episodes into our Coming Out of Chaos podcast. Our first episode was more of an introduction, and the last five were a series of episodes that focused on the article, Why Orthodox Men Love Church, by Frederica Matthews Green. In this episode, we're going to talk about the chaos that surrounds us in our culture, and specifically, we're going to discuss the attack on manhood and the crisis that our young men are currently in. So are you ready to talk about this, Bryce? I think so, Michael. Let's get right to it. All right, we're going to go right into the crisis that young men are facing. I really believe, Bryce, that that men are in a crisis, especially young men. And I was hoping that we could talk about what was discussed in the first ever Antiochian men meeting that occurred two years ago. It's actually been more than two years now. It was at the Parish Life Conference for our diocese in Raleigh, North Carolina in June of 2019. It feels like a lifetime ago with everything that's happened since then. But Bryce, you and I went to that Parish Life Conference, and we attended that meeting, and I don't know about you, but I didn't know what to expect walking in. Yeah, Michael, it definitely kind of hit me like a freight train when we began speaking in that meeting, Um, and we'll get to that here in a minute, but the whole thing just really ignited a lot of, uh, I guess it ignited a lot of neurons. Yeah. (laughs) Just the conversation was so electric the room was electric and everybody had an energy and attention that i had never seen before yeah i would agree and in that meeting we had our antiochian men board appointed by his grace bishop nicholas and then we had a spiritual father appointed father hans jacobsi that we've mentioned in several of our previous episodes He stood up and accepted the appointment, and then he went into this talk that really, I think, got all of our attention, Bryce. I think that's what you were alluding to in your comments. And he said, our men are in crisis. That's how he started that talk. A lot of the content I hope to kind of go through with you today, Bryce, and for those listening, we're going to be maybe paraphrasing a lot of what Father Hans said in that talk, and there's so much depth to it, and it's so important that we really think dedicating a podcast episode to this makes a lot of sense. So regarding our young men being in crisis, I don't think that's overstating it at all. I think young men really are in crisis in this day and age, and as Father Hans has said, it's a spiritual crisis of the first order. For young men who are Orthodox Christians, One of the reasons they are in crisis is because what they're hearing from the dominant culture and what the church teaches, they're two very different things. 
And even for men outside the church, Bryce, you know, what the dominant culture is telling them is just not congruent with who they are deep inside. And in many cases, they just feel that something is wrong. They feel like something is off and that what's happening around them, it just doesn't line up. Yeah, Michael, that's absolutely right. And I think this kind of brings in two perspectives that you and I share. We're both Americans and we're both Orthodox Christians. And so in the culture in which we find ourselves in, we definitely have an interesting experience. And it seems like two things are pulling against one another. There's what the church teaches, what we believe to be true as Orthodox Christians, what we see as evident to be true. And then on the other side, there is the dominant culture. There is social media. There is all sorts of ideas about who people are supposed to be and particularly who men are supposed to be and how they're supposed to act and how they're supposed to think. And people are at a crossroads. Yeah, exactly, Bryce. And you know, in either case, whether young men are Orthodox Christians or if they're outside the church, I really believe they are experiencing this spiritual crisis, whether they recognize it or not, whether they know it or not. And I think that they are really searching for meaning in their lives. A lot of them are, especially those young men that have started coming to the Orthodox Church, Bryce. The ones we've interacted with, they've told us that they're just looking for meaning. They're looking for meaning around them, and what they're being told, especially by the culture, is just crazy to them. So what is it they're hearing from the culture, and why is it so difficult for us in the church to address it? Those are two very important questions. And I personally believe that it's difficult for us to address in the church because we simply just don't understand it. There's not enough of us that really have been able to get our heads around the challenges that men are going through and young adults in general. So here's what's going on. In the culture today, there is truly an anthropological shift occurring. Now, the culture is telling men that we're defined by our feelings. And the church says, no, you deal with your feelings in some other way. Hearing that we're defined by our feelings in the dominant culture is just such a strong current. I think that's the best way to describe it. It really feels like a current that's hitting us. And it's also almost an overpowering lie that many are subscribing to. The other element to this is just how insidious it can be. Bryce, have you ever heard of the boiling frog fable? I have, Michael. Uh, explain to the listeners what exactly the <laughs> boiling frog fable is and, and how it applies in this situation. Yeah, I'll, I'll explain to the folks, uh, as you say. The boiling frog fable, it, it describes a frog being slowly boiled alive. Uh, many of you have probably heard this before. For those that haven't, the premise is that if there's a frog that is put suddenly in boiling water, it'll simply just jump out. But if the frog is put in tepid water which then is brought to a boil slowly, it won't perceive the danger and it'll be cooked to death, basically. The story is often used as a metaphor for the inability or unwillingness of people to react or to be aware of sinister threats that arise gradually rather than suddenly. Bryce, from your point of view, do you think this fable is relevant to this anthropological shift that I'm describing? I do. I, I, I definitely think that especially younger people, find themselves kind of thrust into a world that they didn't create, but they're a part of. And you are, in a way, subject to the culture around you. And I guess all of its pressures as well. And so with that, I definitely think that, you know, there is an application of, oh, you don't understand until 
unfortunately for some people, it may be too late. They may per- perceive it to be too late. Or otherwise, you're kind of found to be helpless. Yeah, that helpless feeling, I think a lot of our listeners can relate to. And I also love what you said about until it's too late. Because I think a lot of times, just in our regular day-to-day lives, we're so busy. We have so many pressures as men, as fathers, as husbands. You know, that all of the stuff that's out there that we think is, okay, maybe not the best. Sometimes we capitulate or we just think it's not that big of a deal. We accept it. God forbid we endorse it or we don't do anything to stand up and just say that it's plain wrong. What I wanted to talk about, though, if we look at this in terms of cultural development and church history, the first crisis that the church really faced, Bryce, was the question, who is Jesus Christ? And that was what the Arian conflict was all about. It was settled by the Council of Nicaea. And then the second one, is the Holy Spirit part of God? And that was affirmed, and we read it at the end of the Nicene Creed in our Orthodox liturgy. So who is Christ? Who is the Holy Spirit? Basically, who is God? And we've talked about the ecumenical councils, Bryce, and the reason that those came about. They were always in response to heresies. They were always basically a meeting together to make sure that things were clarified. The faith and the theology of the Orthodox Christian faith has never changed, but there were some times when the heresies did arise that we had to clarify things as a church, and so that's what happened. Especially early on, there was a need to clarify who was Jesus Christ, who was the Holy Spirit, and there were several other councils following that, again, clarifying things. But now, Bryce, almost 2,000 years later, the question that we're facing now is, what is man? And it's the big cultural civilizational conflict that's in question. And Father Hans talked about this in that meeting that we attended. The questioning of what is man is taking many different forms in our culture. And the heresy of our age is basically that we are what we feel is what we're hearing. This is the great lie in our culture today. Now, as we talked about, ecumenical councils have been called to respond to heresies in the past, but I personally don't believe there's going to be an ecumenical council called to resolve this particular heresy, and I really feel that this falls on us as the laity to push back against this heresy. I I agree, Michael. Um, I mean, there hasn't been a church council called in almost 1,300 years, and the church likes to move slow on some manners, and I definitely don't think this is one that that it'll be moved on. Yeah. But, you know, when you bring up the idea of we are what we feel, it makes me think of one of our saints talks about, actually several of our saints talk about the idea of thoughts, right? Thoughts determining your life. Thoughts are like airplanes, you know. They don't always come from you, and they're not always true. And that's not even just about yourself. That can be about the world around you, how you perceive interactions with other people, all sorts of things like that. And basically, you, in a way, become your own commander. You become your own pope. You make your own ideas yeah. about how the world is and what truth is. And there's no guiding force. There's nothing to hold you accountable to your own ideas. And that's, I think that's a real problem, especially within the confines of what you know orthodoxy teaches. As we perceive, right, we have spiritual fathers. We have a hierarchical order of bishops things like that, which, you know, we've discussed before, but those things help to keep the teachings in line. The reason Nicaea still holds up is because all of the bishops since, who have been in good standing, you know, in good faith, have held those beliefs. And that's why the 
And that's why the Council of Nicaea and the Creed especially continue on with us today. Yeah, Bryce, that's really well said. And I really believe that this affects all of us. I think it affects everyone, even if people are ignoring it. It's still something that's creating a very difficult situation for especially young men. I feel that they're they're really feeling it acutely. And the truth is, we're not defined by what we feel. We are who God created us to be. We are all created in the image and likeness of God. But how do we know this? Let's go to Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. Bryce, why don't you read that part of Scripture? Sure, Michael. So it starts, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heaven, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that moves on earth. So God made man in the image of God he made him. Male and female he made them. So what does that exactly mean? Let's go on to read what the commentary in the Orthodox Study Bible says about that section of Scripture. So from the Orthodox Study Bible, it says, The Holy Trinity also made man. God the Father is speaking to God the Son, and he uses the personal pronouns us and our. These pronouns indicate three distinct persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The word image is in the singular and shows the three distinct persons of the Holy Trinity are one in nature and undivided. It does not say our images. Therefore, the Holy Trinity is one undivided in three distinct persons. Man is not one in nature with the Holy Trinity, but he was made in the image and likeness of the Holy Trinity, and he was made male and female. Therefore, the dignity of each man and each woman is this image and likeness. You know, Bryce, as a side note, the thing I love about the commentary in the Orthodox Study Bible is that it incorporates the teaching of the early church fathers. And there were at least two church fathers that were essentially quoted or referred to in that commentary, including St. John Chrysostom. So in listening to you read that, I think it's really important that we take this in. So we are made in the image and likeness of God. God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three persons in perfect communion. So each of us as persons are designed, we're essentially hardwired to be in communion with God and with each other. This is the basis of our orthodox anthropology as we understand it. And all of the answers to the questions that men are confused about are really contained within it. So all of this has already been developed in our orthodox faith, Bryce. It's really all there. Now, this has never really been needed culturally outside of the church, really, until today, because of that civilizational crisis that we are in. Now, this really hits our young men hard, and I mean really hard. It would be a mistake to think that just because they are an Orthodox Christian, that they are immune from it. We in the church really haven't been addressing this. And I'm not saying that to our shame or to our detriment. I don't think the church has been addressing it because, number one, we don't really understand it. And number two, the problem is relatively new. Think back to the sexual revolution in the 60s in the history of the United States. What happened then was really a collapse of morality. That's what really happened. Make love, not war, right? When you have a collapse of morality, you also have a collapse of human identity. What's happening now today is we have the coordinated and vicious assault on manhood itself. There also seems to be a very anti-Christian element to the attack on manhood, and it's really demonic. I think you bring up some really good examples, Michael. I would argue that some of these issues extend back even further. One could argue... 
um, the Industrial Revolution, mm. uh, you know, a lot of automation taking away for many people, you know, the the rural agrarian lifestyle that families had and, you know, men particularly building with their hands more. And, yeah, men found a lot of meaning in doing that kind of work. Right. And not to say that factory work takes that away entirely, but many of those jobs now are being automated. Yeah. I mean, we saw in the last election cycle, one of the presidential candidates was talking about universal basic income because of the vast automation of many jobs. Right. And people through that, the only thing that they can really attempt to seek is comfort because there's not a whole lot mm-hmm. left for you to do to work, right? Yeah. We don't have as much of an ability to work to live. Rather, a lot of it is living to work in the sense of everything's done on computers. Yeah. Right? And I also think, too, Michael, that the growth of secular society has contributed to a lot of this kind of lack of meaning, right? And I think a lot of that is generational. There's definitely a generational gap between our grandparents, for example, Mm -hmm. and my age generation, Generation Z, and just how we see life and what matters in life. And a lot of people now, what matters to them is being comfortable because there's really not a whole lot else to do. There's not a whole lot of challenges out there other than kind of the day-to-day life, you know, uh, being able to pay the bills, being able to make the rent, being able to get married or not, you know, things like that. And again, it kind of leaves a lot of people wanting more and they don't know where to look. And that in and of itself is a crisis because there's not an answer that you can find on your own. Yeah, Bryce. And along with that, you know, there's just so many ways that these attacks on manhood have manifested even over the generations. And particularly today, they're getting extremely intense. When we first met Father Hans Jacobsi, he told us that the main thing that he does is he pulls men out of porn addictions and that it's a universal problem. And I remember Bryce sitting in that meeting and when he said that, it really got my attention because it was really, it was almost the first thing that he said. First thing out of his mouth, he says that he deals with men that are addicted to pornography and he helps pull them out of those addictions. I haven't heard really a priest talk in that way so bluntly, uh, really ever. And I'll never forget, he said, pornography comes from the depths of hell because pornography enslaves. And I'm going to paraphrase what he said after that because I I think it will really help to clarify things. What really is enslaved in this case with pornography is man's sexual desire. Now, as we've learned from Father Hans, our sexual desire is a gift from God so that we can become co-creators with him, creators of new life. Men are made to create, and as we mentioned, we are created in the image and likeness of God. So what's the primary attribute of that? What are the characteristics? Well, number one, it's our own creativity. We are to create like God created, right? What is one of the strongest creative forces within us? It's our sexual drive. The sexual drive is fundamentally a creative force. It's a very powerful force because it's also a unitive force. It brings together body, mind, and soul. But it's that soul part where the trouble happens. Because when men have an addiction to pornography and masturbation, for example, what happens is that their creative energy, this sexual energy that they have, it gets sidetracked. This can be likened to a river. 
And I love this analogy, Bryce. I remember when Father Hans talked about this, it really brought this into focus for me. So a river has energy and it's always flowing and it's meant to pour out into the ocean. But what can happen is that it gets lost in a tributary and it gets dissipated. So what's happening basically is that man's creative energy is being dissipated and young men don't know the way out. So what's the way out to all this? The way out is coming back into a rediscovery of who they are. Who, not just what, but who they are. So how do we find the who? Again, Father Hans shared with us that we find the who when we find Christ. Because when a man seeks Christ, he finds himself. And if a man seeks himself, he finds Christ. And so what happens is that energy is reordered or redirected back into its proper channels. And for the man, the vice is broken. And Father Hans was adamant when he talked about this, that he was not overstating it. And he was speeding bluntly about it because it truly affects 80 to 90% of men out there. And it might even be higher than that. It doesn't matter if they are orthodox or if they're non-orthodox. You wonder why some guys out there have this failure to launch syndrome. You know, Bryce, I know a lot of men who stayed at home, maybe never went to college. Some of them even just came home after college and basically moved into their parents' garage or into their basement, and they just play video games all day, right? There's that temptation to just want to disappear into some dark part of the house and not engage with people on the outside. A lot of times people really make fun of these kinds of people because they get so obsessive about things like, I don't know, superheroes or, you know, different movie franchises that are out there. So this failure to launch syndrome has now become a modern day cliche. The failure to launch is because people no longer know who they are, and especially men. And the dominant culture is telling them this lie, you are what you feel. And this lie is definitely not true. These young men out there, they even sometimes know it's not true because they experience this sexual dissipation. And when they experience that, it atrophies the soul. And when the soul is atrophied, true self-identity growing more deeply into our own manhood, our own self-identity, it just can't happen. So it becomes circular. These young men might feel horrible about what they're doing. They want to feel alive, so they might use pornography to arouse themselves. Most people out there will tell you the problem is with pornography. Pornography is definitely a problem, but the addiction is not really to pornography. The addiction is to self-abuse, to masturbation. But why is this happening and why does it affect almost all men that are out there? It's because men don't know how to find themselves anymore. The men who are afflicted by this addiction want out, but they don't know how to find themselves and how to get out. And I think, Bryce, one of the biggest challenges is that most people don't know how to pull them out. There is a way to pull them out, and the way is built completely on our orthodox anthropology and how Christ releases us from sin and gives us new life. But this cannot be done alone. And Bryce, you know, I really feel that this is on all of us in the church, and especially the men who are more experienced and have been a part of the church for years. We all have to step up and respond to God's calling for us. As members of the body of Christ, we, the church, are the continuation of Christ's ministry in the world, and we must minister to these young men. And when we do, when we act as mentors or guides to these young men, their creativity is channeled in the proper direction. Now, a lot of people may be familiar with the term chastity. In a lot of literature, that's what it's referred to. But it's almost like people don't understand what chastity really is anymore. And, and to some, it may even be a dirty word. 
What it really means, though, is to be sexually sober. Father Hans uses this term, Bryce, a lot, sexual sobriety. Once a person returns to sexual sobriety, that creative energy is released. And there is nothing more powerful than a man who desires to create. And they really do. We talked about this last time, Bryce. The glory of God is a man fully alive. That's a quote from St. Irenaeus. We talked about that quote in our last episode. You know, Michael, in the previous episode, I, I kind of asked, you know, what does that mean? What St. Irenaeus is saying? And I do think that it boils down to seeing a person emerge in a way from the ashes and becoming something more than they are and using that energy to really, I don't want to say unlock, but maximize who they're supposed to be. And you only learn so much at a time. And there's almost an infinite amount of things to learn about yourself going through your life. And I definitely think that starts with being able to conquer some of the issues that you may have. And, you know, you can't do that without community. And you really can't do that without some type of guidance. And even then, for me, you know, people always say that kids remember what you do, not necessarily what you say. And in the way in which you conduct yourself. If you're somebody who has kind of already made it in a way, although there's so much more that you can learn, right? I think that really helps people out to see somebody, see the way that they carry themselves, see the way that they act with others, see the way that they are in their own life, the work that they may do, and want to aspire to be something like that. And I definitely think in an age, some might argue is devoid of heroism or valor or bravery, this is the battle that men have to fight now. You know, in cultures around the world, there's always some test of manhood, right? The, Ma- yeah. the Maasai tribe in Tanzania, for example, and other parts of Africa, the young men are to kill a lion with a spear. That's their coming of manhood. You know, some European cultures for a long time, it was a similar thing. And now, you know, the main dragon, if you will, to be conquered is this addiction, is this circular nature of you know, rising high for a few minutes, yeah, but not in a good way. You know, when Father Hans did say it came from hell, I understood everything he meant by that. Mm-hmm. Because pornography and self-abuse, frankly, are the antithesis of iconography in orthodoxy. Father yeah. Seraphim Rose said pornography is the devil's iconography. Mm. And all of it is, is it's a misdirection of yeah. what is good and what is beautiful. And all those things that matter. Yeah, Bryce. And it's not just pornography. There's so many examples. I think pornography is the big one because it affects so many men, especially young men that are out there. But it's also drugs, marijuana, it's video games, it's overindulgence in entertainment. That could be binge watching TV shows, it could be just watching movies nonstop every free moment that you get. You know, even in mentioning video games, you know, we were at the fall retreat recently here, our Dyson spiritual retreat that just happened in Franklin, Tennessee. And there was a young man that stood up and and kind of gave a testimonial about how he had become obsessed with video games. And this young man is 20 years old, and he essentially talked about how he wasted so much of his time and so much of his money for over two years, essentially doing nothing but playing video games in every free moment that he got. And eventually he had to have kind of an intervention. His father actually ended up talking to him and and really getting through to him about it. And he's now come out of that. 
and he's now eager to serve people around him. He's eager to grow in his own spiritual life. So a lot of these things that we've been mentioning, like video games or pornography, drugs, even entertainment, a lot of these men that have been kind of obsessed with these different things, they're, they're in a state of self-medicating or they're finding a way just to ease the pain that they feel or the stress in their lives or the overwhelming perceived void in their lives. And instead of searching for meaning, a lot of times they get lost in these obsessions and these addictions is what they really are. Some of them want to come out of it. They just don't know how. But when they finally do come out of it, they really flourish. You know, Bryce, Father Hans has worked with a lot of young men over the years, and he talks about that a lot. And he said that it takes just about a year. These young men will find themselves and then boom, they're top students in school or they're starting a business or whatever they do. And this is the redemption that the Lord talks about, because the redemption is really the redemption of the person. It's not abstract. It's real and it's concrete. And to see a young guy who's slumping and he's just slumping and slumping along and he doesn't like it. And all of a sudden he starts standing like a man. He becomes confident. He starts making a real difference in the lives of others. It's the most rewarding thing in the world when you see that happen and when you know you've helped that young man to get his life back on track. It's really such a rewarding feeling. Now, how does this all tie in? The biggest point is that we have to mentor these guys, these young men that are out there. We have to bring them to our parishes, and some of them are walking in right on their own. And we can help these young men to find the proper direction to focus their God-given creative energy. Father Hans talks a lot about the fact that men are builders. And you talked about this earlier, Bryce. What men typically do is we build the bridges, we build skyscrapers, we build businesses, or we fix cars. We do things with our hands. You know how men differ from women? Don't listen to the dominant culture. You don't want to listen to that. The way that men differ from women is that men create with their hands and women create with their bodies, their mothers. So men can create the house and women will fill it with life. The reason the Catholic Church has a lot of the problems that it currently does is because they've lost all sense of the masculine ideal. And the reason Protestantism is suffering is because they become feminized. We talked a little bit about that when we went through that article, Why Orthodox Men Love Church. A lot of the Protestant churches are emotionally driven, and we talked about that too. We don't have that problem in the Orthodox Church. And that's not a prideful statement. It's just a fact. What we've got, though, in the Orthodox Church is the potential for an unleashing of tremendous creativity in concert with the very work of our Savior, because we in the Orthodox Church know what it means to be a man. Again, it goes back to our Orthodox anthropology. And a man in communion with the Savior is a man who is also on the path of his own self-discovery. And when he is on the path of his self-discovery, he can take that natural creative energy that he has, and he can actually create things like Christ created the world. So the church then is actually the epicenter of this recreation and of this redemption. So it's not just a personal redemption, although it certainly is, it is that. But it's also the recreation and the redemption of the world through the work of our hands that begins in the church. Because the church, again, is the epicenter of God's work in the world. Now, I know I said a lot, and that's a lot to take in. But the point is that this is a really powerful commission that is upon us as men. And I hope you all can see just how deep the calling to this vocation is. 
Well, Michael, this makes me think of the scriptures say that, you know, a, a baby is not to eat meat first. You know, you start by drinking milk, right? And then yeah. you get your spiritual meat. When I entered orthodoxy for the first time roughly four years ago, I had no idea what I was doing, no idea where I was starting. I just knew where I was and had an idea of where I was going to go. And through our parish priest, through the church itself, being able to participate in services in the church, being able to participate as an altar server, being able to see Holy Week and Pascha, eventually, you know, being tonsured a reader, learning how to chant, all of these things. That is such an escalation of how life became for me. And not everybody's going to fit those roles to the point exactly like I did. But I think that there's a lot of young guys coming into the church now who were in a similar place that I was. And I think there's a lot to be learned from them. And I think there's a lot to be learned from me as well, just kind of where we're going, you know, with the church. And the church is at the center of your life, right? It's not a name that you call yourself. It's a life that you live. And so much of that is, you know, through the fasting, through almsgiving, through prayer. Like these are very easy things to see on paper. They're very simple, but that doesn't mean that they're easy. And, you know, it was a blessing that I found it as young as I did because now I think I have an understanding of who I am and who I'm going to be in the direction that things need to go. And that's not just about me. I think that's about people as a whole because this community that I found has been an absolute godsend, to say the least. Yeah, Bryce, and, and I know that you were surrounded by a, a lot of great examples in the church. In this parish here at St. Nicholas Church, there's been so many role models for yourself and for me as well that we've been learning from, and that's what community is all about. We have to come alongside others. There have been many who have come alongside us, and we have talents, all of us do, not just me, not just you, Bryce, but all of you listening have talents that can be applied in the church. And there are many talents that others can benefit from, even learning how to do something that maybe you know how to do that they don't. Maybe you have experiences out there in the world that they don't. And that's why we were created with all different talents. So we would need to rely on each other. That was by design from God. And if we really commit to each other in a community, there's really no limit to what we can create and accomplish together. Well, Bryce, I think we're going to bring this episode to a close, but I think in our next episode, we'll go a little bit deeper on this topic. Thank you all so much for listening to this podcast episode. We ask that you stick with us and look for more episodes in the very near future. And please remember to check out our website at antiochianmen.org and also the many videos that can be found on the website as well as on our Amen YouTube channel. And remember that we're also on several major podcast platforms, so don't forget to subscribe there if you're on them. We are on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. And we'd appreciate a positive review if the platform allows you to do so. If anyone would like to send us feedback or questions, just send an email to amendomsi at gmail.com. That's A-M-E-N-D-O-M-S-E at gmail.com. We look forward to continuing this podcast, so check back for new episodes coming very soon. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.